Take your Bibles this morning and let's turn to Psalm 34 as we continue in our look at the Psalms. As Bob was talking, I'm just so thankful to be a part of a convention. I know we've had our struggles over the years, but when we uh, we had our, our um, men's breakfast where Dennis Bells of our Colorado Baptist Disaster Relief, where he came and just the good work that they're doing for people that have uh, suffered through natural disasters and so many other things. And then seeing something along this line to where um, Southern Baptists are raising up money to be able to help some of these pastors who have struggled and didn't didn't get a retirement uh, package or a pension package like this to be able to come along and supplement them. Southern Baptists care about their people. They care about their pastors and they care with the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, and they care about seeing people come to Christ all over the world. And uh, I'm thankful to be a part of such a group like this. So would you join me as we stand? If you're able, stand as we look at Psalm 34 as we read his word together. And the title of the sermon this morning is to taste and see that the Lord is good, which is taken from verse 8. But let's see what God has for us. So Psalm 34, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of them all, out of all their troubles rather. They're, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crush in spirit. Many are the, are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. So have you ever tried to describe to someone how chocolate tastes? Well, you know how that story goes is that the only way that you can help them describe it is not by describing it as smooth or, or rich or creamy. What you do is you, you give them chocolate for them to taste. That's how they know. They have to experience what chocolate is like for you to be able to get across what that is. And when you look at verse 8 of this passage, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what's being said. What's being said is, is that I could talk to you 
over and over about how good the Lord is. I could talk to you about how faithful He's been, how wonderful His Word has been, how, how tremendous His promises are, how, how superior and amazing His holiness is, and, his, and, his grati- and, and the gratitude that I have. But I'm, if, if you don't know my Jesus then you don't know what I am talking about. It's the equivalent of trying to describe how chocolate tastes. And sometimes because we want that response, sometimes what we do is we end up lowering the bar even more. And so what we do is, the t- is, is that temptation for them to be able to get it is that we give them, we give people just enough to where we think that they might be able to get it, but we don't paint really the whole picture about how we are sinners in need of a Savior, how we are broken and in need of healing, how we are ones who are lost but, and, but need to be found, how that we are under His wrath, but because of Christ, we can now be recipients of His mercy. We have to make sure that we're telling people that and that we are ones who are certainly experiencing that. So Psalm 34, 8, one of you told me how excited you were that we were going over this particular psalm because that's your verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's another verse in there that might have been of comfort to you over the years, and that's in verse 18, where it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Boy, all of us have gone through avenues and, and, and sections of time where we have, we have felt that. But what we're going to see is the context of that verse is the fact that we have had our pride and our stubbornness dealt with. And we have been crushed by that. And the Lord rescues us from our own pride. The Lord rescues us from our own stubbornness and, and makes us humble so that we want to pursue all that He is and be all that He's called us to be. We're going to go through tough times as David has gone through tough times. That's the context of this psalm. But in the midst of this, God gives us himself to where even though we may not have anything else, we may be ones who, where it says in verse 6, where this poor man cried. It's not just talking about poor spiritually, although that can apply. It's also talking about poor materially. But God doesn't look at our bank account. He doesn't look at our celebrity status. He doesn't look at at any of those things that the world looks at to try to determine value. He looks at us and he sees our, and he hears our cries. And those who fear the Lord, he will respond. And I pray that that's you this morning, that you are ones who are fearing and loving the Lord with all that you have. Let's look at verses 1 to 3, and it must be said, too, that this passage is really broken up into two major parts, and it's kind of like how we do things here, where we sing hymns about who God is and what He's done, and then that's verses 1 to 10, and then verses 11 to the end, verse 22, is basically a sermon, and it's teaching them about how to go through these issues Christ-like. I hope this is something that can be of, of help to us. Look at verses 1 to 3 where it says, I will bless the Lord how often? At all times. I'm not, we're not just going to bless the Lord when things are good. Because sometimes when things are good for us, that could be bad. Because it makes us not rely on Him because things are good. And the only time that we, pray, that we pray to Him is when things are bad. No, we praise Him on the mountain, on the plateau, and in the valley. We praise Him. We praise Him at all times. And His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's not just an internal private praise. We, we speak it. It comes out. We don't have to worry about what anybody else is going to be saying. We, we, we have an audience of one. 
Our Lord Jesus is there. And we speak the praise that is there. But look at verses 2 and 3. My soul makes its boast on the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We have a magnification system that's right here. If, it's on, if it was on the computer, it would be very tiny. But we have a, a magnification system that allows these words to be made bigger. That's what it means to magnify when it comes to the things of the Lord. Right now, because of your situations and your circumstances, your, your, the, the Lord may be very small right now, so small that you're having a hard time seeing him. What he's saying is we have to intentionally make him bigger in our perspective, make him bigger in our lives, magnify the Lord. We don't make God bigger, period. He's, he's already big. We don't make him anything. He already is what he is. But in our perspective... He can be very small in how we deal with things. We need to magnify him. And we need to magnify him. And, and when we're inviting people to church, that's what we're doing is we're, we're saying, oh, magnify the Lord, what? With me. Let us exalt his name together. Praise is not only external. Praise is communal. We do this together as a community and as a body of believers. And when you realize that we, it says in the title, which the title, though there's not a number beside it, that's part of Scripture as well. And the title is dealing with the fact that David was dealing with an issue where he, Saul was king in Israel. But Saul, because of his disobedience, had lost his anointing. And God has put his anointing on David. But David hadn't been installed as king yet. Saul was still king. So there's that transition. And there was a song that was going about that Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And so what happened? Saul got jealous because David got more press than he did. David was attributed more in battle than he was as far as who was, who was mowed down. And suddenly Saul got jealous and was trying to kill David. But you can't kill God's anointed, can you? You can't do anything. With him. You can't touch anything that God has had said, this is how it is going to be. But still, David was a human being. He knew that there was God's anointing, but he also saw the sword of Saul. And so he ran, and he ended up going over into the Philistines. And all that he had was Goliath's sword that a priest had given to him. That's all he had. That's the poor part of this. And so when he goes over, um, he, he realizes that he's getting ready to stand before the king. That's what this Abimelech is. You'll see this in First, in, uh, first Samuel, rather, verse 21, chapter 21 verses 10 and on. You'll see that there. But David knew that he was either going to be killed or he was going to be jailed. And so he decided to act insane. He decided to act mad. Let the, the, the spittle dribble into his beard. You're welcome. Right before lunch, you're welcome. Ugh. And then he's, but he, but he said, have I got, haven't I got enough mad men around here? And sent him away. God delivered him. God delivered him. And so I will praise the Lord at all times. Mountaintop, valley, in, in, in the issues of death or pain or emotional distress or anxiety, whatever it may be, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times because we see what's happened. Verses 4 to 7, I sought the Lord and what happened? I'm going to make sure you're looking at what I'm saying, what I'm preaching from. I sought the Lord and he answered me I, and delivered me from all of my fears. Now, now watch what's being said. Is he saying he delivered me from all of my situations? No, you're, you're still going to be in the situations. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is marked by death and decay and brokenness and corruption. So you are going to go through stuff. It will happen. 
But what he can do is alleviate those fears because he's with us and he hears us and he knows us. He knows what is happening and he can come alongside and he says, those who look to him are radiant and their, their faces shall never be ashamed. I come over on Saturday nights and I work on the sermon because, well, especially this week, um, didn't do a lot of sermon prep uh, while I was in Ohio. I don't do sermon prep at a baseball game. I don't do sermon prep while I was at the a Hall of Fame. I didn't do any of that. Um, did a lot of it on the plane, did a lot of it uh, elsewhere. But I came over last night and, of course, those Miller moths. Our friends, we named ours Fred. He's there. There's Fred, Fred the Miller moth. Maybe you should have called him Miller. Why didn't I think of that? That would have been good. Come on. But, what, but, but the Miller moth, what, what do moths do? They go to light. Have any of you ever been in a house where there's been roaches? Well, what happens when you flip on the light? They don't go toward the light. They don't hang around and say, oh, great, light. You know, they scurry to the darkness. And I'm thinking to myself, I want to be like that moth. I want to be whenever, I want to go to the light. I don't want to be like that roach because all of us have had times when, you know, whenever there's been, we've been living our lives and we don't want to go to the light. No, no, we want to get away from the light. We want to be covered from the light. I don't want to be like that. Those who look to the Lord, their faces are radiant because they've been in his presence. Like Moses, they've been in his presence. But I love verse 7, and I think it's important for us to recognize verse 7 for what it is. You see, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. The first time that we hear about the angel of the Lord is actually in Joshua chapter 5. So they're, and they're getting ready to march around Jericho. You know how it is. They spent six days marching around Jericho once uh, each day. And then on the seventh day, they were going to march around Jericho seven times. And that was a well-fortified city. And, and they were going to blow their trumpets and the walls were going to come down. And they were going to conquer. But they didn't know that was going to happen. So Joshua, who is the leader of all of this, still a human being, even though God gave him the promise, we're still human. And we're wondering, okay, is this really, there's a little something there. And in Joshua 5, verse 13, when it says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, neither one, I, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And now I have come and Joshua fell on his face to earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Josh did so. Please understand something. Every time that's, that someone was coming up to a, a, just a regular old man, whether it was Peter or John or whoever, or even an angel, and they began to fall down, what would they say? Get up. I'm a creature like you. I'm a man like you. But this angel of the Lord's army received worship. I believe that a case could be made that this was the pre, a pre-incarnate um, appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ before he came. And it was, this was 1,500 years before Christ came to Bethlehem. He is the commander of the army of the Lord, and he encamps around those who fear him. Jesus right now, you may be 
having an issue with your situation and circumstance like David is, but there is a commander of the army of the Lord right now that is encamping about you. If you truly fear who he is and fear who he is about, you revere him, you worship him. This person received worship. This is our Lord receiving this and he will deliver. Now you say, well, he hasn't delivered me yet. I've still got these physical issues. I'm still struggling with the emotional uh, path that seems to be happening here. I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm, I'm having a lot of problems. He will deliver you, and he can deliver you from that bucket load of anxiety that you are dealing with. He can and will do that. But there will be one day, one day when we have been released, and it's been wonderful with these funerals that have been coming up of late, and the, the, the message of all of these people who have had their own sermons in their own lives. They've already preached them their whole life. And they have been delivered. They are healed. They will, they, and, and they have conquered by the blood of the Lamb. And so that's where we say all of this. And some of you right now, you couldn't give two hoots and a holler about Christ right now. And what I'm telling you is, until you taste, until you see that the Lord is good, your heart's going to continue to be hardened. Everything that we're talking about, you're going to be like, you all are out of your mind. Maybe. We're out of our mind in a certain way. Because we're not going to be confined to the constructs of this world when we know the design of of our Savior and our Redeemer. He has set us free. And we want you to know the freedom that can be found in Christ. Taste and see, verse 8, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord. Worship him. Reverence him. In awe. Don't just take him for granted. Just don't say, don't be in apathy. Here he is. Those who fear him have no lack. Be not dismayed, whatever betide. What? God will take care of you. Some of you know that old hymn. And, that, and when you see here the young lions suffer want and hunger. Now, this is not, a, this is not a, just a hyperbole. If you have watched any of those nature programs and you see those lions, or if you've gone to the zoo and you see how imposing those lions are, they're not just strong, they're not just powerful, they are fast. They can catch pretty much whatever they want. But even those impressive beasts... Even those impressive beasts get hungry every so often. Every so often, they don't catch what they want. But even those who are poor, because when David says here, verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. It doesn't matter where you are. If you call upon the Lord, trusting in him, worshiping him, you're you're not going to lack any good thing. And I pray he gives you eyes to see those good things because sometimes our, our eyes aren't ready for that. We have to experience who he is. We do have to trust. But it's not a blind faith. It's not a faith where we're just like, well, I don't. No, we see what he's done. We can read what he's done and we can see what he's done in other people. We can see how far he's taken so many We see it. We have zero excuse. We see the creation that God has made, but we also see the lives that God has changed. We see the word that that has proven to be true. You, if you're one who has not tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you've rejected him, you have no excuse. 
He's here. Trust in what he's done. See what he's done for you. And so now what David is doing with all of the experiences he has, now he's turning on and he's saying, okay, I need you, to, I need you now to follow through on what I'm saying. Now the sermon part comes. Where he says in the verses 11 to 14, oh, come, children, oh, come, oh, children, right words, wrong order. Come, oh, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. How do you teach the fear of the Lord? You teach the fear of the Lord by showing what it means to worship him. By what it means, what, what does it say in, in verses uh, 2 and 3? This, my soul makes us boast in the Lord. So you teach them to boast in God. You teach them to trust in God, to boast in God. You, let, you, you teach them what it means to be humble. You teach them what it means to be thankful for, that, for all that God has got, done. You teach them to, and show them how he is delivered. You show them that. And then we remember from Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you're not fearing the Lord, then you, are, you have not begun your journey of wisdom and insight and understanding into what God is. But if you begin to fear him, and fear him means worship and reverence and awe Monday through Saturday. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, even then. So, someone doesn't get your delivery on time because you're a prime customer for Amazon, you're okay because God's in control. That's what that means. You know, we, we have put so many things on God and so many expectations where it's like we're, we're in this environment. Well, yeah, of course. But then the moment some little something happens, we're off the rails. No, even then. God's still good even when your package doesn't come on time. God is still good even when someone else doesn't know how to drive as good as you, right? God's still good. Even We were flying in, so when we were flying into Ohio, the, the, um, it was a direct flight, which I thank the Lord for, but we were hourly getting out of Denver. Then we fly into Cincinnati, and then we're having to do a holding pattern because there was 50, 60-mile-an-hour winds in Cincinnati, and so we didn't want to land in that. I've seen the movie Castaway. That's no good. We don't, we don't want that. And then they land, and then there were still lightning strikes, so we're having to sit on a tarmac, and that's a special, that's just delicious when that happens. You know, you're sitting on a tarmac for 45 minutes, and, you know, and, and it's just little by little by little, and I was just so off. If I was supposed to make a right turn, I went left, and if I was supposed to make a left turn, I went right. If I was supposed to stop, I kept going. I was just so off my game and all of that, and I felt, I felt, it, I felt a little something rising in me that was um, testing my sanctification. And, and it, was this, it was just aspects of this passage that was just like, really? There, things could be worse, but the Lord is good. I will bless the Lord at all times. Even now, yes. Even though I missed the turn, yes. And, you know, so you have to put what you hear and read in the Word into practice. If you don't do that, then you are separating out two parts of your lives that need to be intertwined. There is not a separation for us between sacred and secular. They've tried to do that in our culture. And I think sometimes we try to do that in our lives. We get our church hat on. We get our church face on. Oh, bless the Lord. Everything's great, wonderful. Hallelujah. How are you? Yeah, we're just great, great, great. But we better make sure we're like that elsewhere. Because otherwise, we're, we're really showing that what's happening is it's a show. It's not sanctifying. It's a show. And we don't, want, we, we don't need any more show 
anymore. So what man is there who desires life? And so what Peter did was, I read this to you earlier in the, in the, in the service, Peter takes this passage and appropriates it in his letter, 1 Peter 3, which we, we read through um, early on, and he approaches it in a way to where it's like, look, you, what harm will it be for you if you do good? Now, other people may have a problem with what you believe, but when they see that you are acting Christ-like, they will be put to shame because of your actions, because of your love for Christ. So, how does that work out in our lives? Well, it works out in our lives because that's what it means to fear the Lord. When things don't go your way, you are still trusting in Christ and he has given you the strength to move forward as he calls you to do. That's why when we get all the way down to verse 18, the Lord is near the brokenhearted, and all of us have had our hearts broken. You know what's broken my heart of late? It's when Roe v. Wade came out and the reaction. The reaction, and we were seeing protests in Ohio. Um, because now it's down to the states. In Ohio, all these states are now making decisions. Well, Colorado's already made their decision, but some of these states are you know, making their decision and hopefully trying to influence one way or the other about what kind of laws they're going to put on the books. And the, the, the reaction that has, that has so broken my heart about this that it's been really difficult. And some of these are very close friends of mine. Some of these were, used to be in my youth group. So th- this is, now that's back in the midst of time. It was a long time ago. But seeing that, I mean, there's a brokenheartedness there. But please keep in mind the specific understanding of what this is. In order for God to use you, he has to break you. And if you're holding on to pride and stubbornness and wanting people to act the way you want them to act rather than leading them to Christ and helping them to react how Christ would have them to react, as long as you're in that pridefulness and as long as you're in that stubbornness, God will not use you. That's a fact. But when he breaks you of your pride and your stubbornness, that's the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit, he saves you, he rescues you, and he uses you. And he will take you through some things that you are going to think God is just flat mean for taking you through. But he's doing that to break you, to break you of the worst enemy that you have. And you know who your worst enemy is? Take a look in the mirror. That's your worst enemy. That is the enemy. You don't need anybody else's help to take you off the path. You do just fine on your own getting off the path. But he breaks you and praise God for the breaking and he crushes you. Praise God for the crushing. That's what he's talking about. I will bless the Lord at all times, even when he breaks me and crushes me, especially then, because now I know he's going to rebuild me. Not like the $6 million man, build bigger, stronger, faster. Not like that. It's going to be where he is going to be, he's going to rebuild you to where he will put you to work for his use and he will get the glory because people are going to remember how you used to be. Whenever I get around family, they remind me of how I used to be. And sometimes that can be an incentive not to be around family, can it? Because, you know, like I try to get away from that and you're reminding me of that. Please stop that. Okay, you know. 
And, and, and that's where we have to realize that. Yeah, they can, they can remind us all they want. Remind us. And thank you for reminding me of how I used to be because now I can praise God even more for where he's taken me. Right? That's where we have to recognize what God is up to. And so as the benediction hits and as they get ready to give the invitation of this sermon, many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's going to happen. You're in a broken, broken land of the, not, we're not in the land of the living. We're in the land of the dying. We're in a corrupt place. We're in a broken place, as we've said. You're going to be afflicted as a follower of Jesus, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Maybe not now, but one day he will. And you got to keep on holding and you got to keep on, keep on keeping on and press on toward the goal that God has given to you in Christ. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. It's interesting that the, the writer of Luke and, and, and was, was using this for Christ when he was on the cross. Not one of his bones will be broken. So that connection there is showing us the nature of our deliverance. Not even death can take us. Death has been conquered. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that he keeps all of his, all of his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. God sees, God knows, and God will act. The Lord redeems the life of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We are getting ready to observe the Lord's Supper. These elements of the bread, which represents the tearing of his body, and the blood, which represents the shedding of his blood and death, this right here is the deliverance of which God speaks. We have been delivered from ourselves, from our sin, from our, from our brokenness. Yes, there will be aspects of us that are still a work in progress, of course. But one day, we will be made whole. Because, and only because of the work that Jesus Christ did upon the cross on our behalf. With the instruments of your voices. Some of you know what the doxology is. Starts off, praise God from whom all blessings flow. If you know that, would you please sing it together as we praise God for his delivering work and praise God for his son, Jesus Christ. Praise